don't think I talk a lot about vampire films. I might have a couple of entries on it, but it's it's hard to tell if I really do kind of give a lot of them a chance. Uh, I'm very much about if I find a vampire movie I like, I might be a little picky and not even realize it because I usually rotate towards those and those are the ones I kind of use as I hold these on my pedestal of some of the best vampire films and I'm not the only one that really considers them the best and then when I watch anything new or anything that even resembles involving vampires if it doesn't kind of match the energy of those ones that I love the most then I don't really give it much of an opportunity or I don't really find enjoyment out of it this is one of those films that is on the top of my list when it comes to vampire films Near Dark from 1987 is just a really good vampire movie. It's very unique, and I feel like back in the 80s, there was a lot more openness to try to do different things and try new things with different concepts. So you see a lot more of that these days, but then after a while, it kind of dried out. Like, it kind of just became, you know, there's three ways to do vampires now. You either do this over-obsessive love story that everybody gets from, like, Vampire Diaries or Twilight series. and It's really dumbed down that uh, aspect of vampires. They don't really make them scary anymore. They sort of make them, you know, attractions, you know, and I think True Blood is one of the biggest culprits of that as well. That kind of put vampires in that light, uh, more so than I think Twilight did. Uh, so that's one way people usually see vampires nowadays. Second is overly action-packed. You know, when it comes to things like Blade being very popular and then the Underworld series, a lot of those took vampires and kind of led them down this road of if they are, you know, if they're meant to be vampires, they're more so like an army and they do like Kung Fu and shit, which I'm not hacking. I love Blade. I love the Underworld series, but it's still not really vampires or really what vampires were sort of throughout the ages meant to be portrayed as you know they're meant to be portrayed as the villain of a story not necessarily the hero and monsters not necessarily warriors which brings me to the next category that vampires are usually put in these days and that is crazy monster-esque visionaries like if you see a vampire in a film nowadays it is a complete monster there is no human-looking uh, vampire unless it's, again, an action star or a love story. If it's a legit horror movie-type vampire, it's a complete monster. You know, the most recent example of that is um, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which I haven't watched yet and I want to. But that shows a certain perspective of a vampire in a horror-esque setting. And it's completely a monster. It's not like how Dracula used to be portrayed when it was done in, you know, the 40s. And it's not like how any of the vampires in most of the films from the 70s and the 80s that did portray vampire as sort of humans that would manipulate other humans so they could feed. And the whole battle was meant to be the battle of person versus the vampire and the vampire virus and needing to kind of overcome uh, the the hold almost because they also had like you know the the dracula stare is very popular where you were able to have a psychic hold on your victim so it's lost that point as well so it just went straight full-fledged these are monsters these can fly they have huge mouths and everything they're just straight up monsters and those are the only three categories you see vampires in these days they don't really show them the way 
that like John Carpenter's vampires from the early 90s did, which is again a tremendous way to portray vampires. Super awesome in the extent that they don't look like monsters, but they're still, you know, they're still vampires. They're still what vampires were sort of meant to be. And they were meant to be these humans that sort of fed on other human blood. And you don't see a lot of films like that. And Near Dark is another great example of that idea. So what Near Dark is, if none of you have ever seen it, it's a film that's sort of also got this kind of Western background. And what happens is it starts off with this guy. He meets this girl in a bar, sort of falls in love. And then that girl winds up being a vampire. But you don't learn that until the girl bites him, runs off, and then the sun starts coming up and then his skin starts boiling. And then what happens is this truck rolls around, snatches him up off the street, and you realize that the girl's also in this truck, and all the windows are barred on the on this truck, on this like minivan or this um, maybe it's an RV, and he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. So they explain to him what's happened to him. They go to kind of kick him out and say, "Hey, you're on your own," because this is like this one big traveling vampire family, and they're like, "You turned him into a vampire." And we're going to, you know, leave him to kind of fend for himself. But he doesn't know what he's doing. And she still kind of feels, you know, an attachment to him. So they keep him and they try to teach him his ways. They teach him sort of how to hunt and how to feed so he doesn't die. And he knows how to kind of like travel when he can't really be out during the sunlight. Very typical original vampire sort of plot points. And, of course, as the story progresses, he realizes that he actually has more of a moral compass than this family, particularly the father, who's the leader of the family. And then there's this battle that kind of breaks out that he winds up winning, and, of course, he sort of kills the entire family, and it, it sort of implodes, and he, he's left to kind of roam as a vampire with the, with the girl that he sort of loves, and they're both vampires, and they kind of sort of, I don't want to say right off into the sunset because again they they can die but they do just kind of live happily ever after in a way it's also a story that's backed up by a tremendous cast you know it's got um Lance Edrickson Bill Paxton Adrian Pastar who for most of you don't know he played Nathan Petrelli on Heroes from back in the early 2000s Heroes was a big show and he got that years after the fact that Near Dark is I think his first film maybe his second film but like this is, you know, sort of a film that put him on the map and led to his career leading to Heroes. Um, it's written and directed by Catherine Bigelow. And for many who probably aren't really exposed to Catherine Bigelow, she's one of those handful directors that, I mean, what I sort of mean by handful directors, if I, maybe that's just my own terminology for it, but she's only got a dozen or less films under her belt. And the majority of them, like I'm saying 75% or higher, are tremendous films. She started her career off with The Loveless, which stars William Defoe. Then she went on to do Near Dark. Then she went on to do Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis. Then Point Break with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. And as her career kept going, you're talking about The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty. Like, Catherine Bigelow is a big-time director who only does a film every couple of years, and it's usually a film that hits pretty hard and gets a lot of re recognition for itself. Near Dark is one of those films. Now, one of the biggest issues with Near Dark is that it wasn't appreciated when it came out. So, like, its budget was a certain number, didn't even meet that number. Its reviews at the time, I don't think were the best, but over time they've kind of appreciated it more and more. And so now it's kind of one of those films that's, like, revered as an 80s classic. And 
it's unfortunate that it didn't see that success back then because I would have totally loved a sequel to this film. And you, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis and you hear some of my entries, I don't usually recommend sequels. But Near Dark is one of those one of those vampire films that's so good and you know the director and the, I mean the writer and director are the same person but you know that the person who was backing up this story had a certain love and a certain passion for the idea of vampires and how they felt they needed to be be portrayed to do them justice and this is one of those once in a lifetime vampire films that really does do vampires justice it doesn't over exaggerate on anything it's really gritty it's really unique it's definitely a one-of-a-kind film that deserves all the praise it gets right now. And again, it's one of my top five favorite vampire movies of all time. And it's totally worth seeing if you have never given it a chance before. It is truly a great, great vampire film.